I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make a beeline towards the boulder, have a drink, you've had enough. What's that you say? You thought we weren't going to come play this week? We are Who, back. Who's talking? It's an FA Cup extravaganza. On the Friday Football Podcast. <laughs> we love the cup here on the Friday Football Podcast. It's an extravaganza, all right. Means we don't get our weekly trip to Dublin Airport for myself and Dave. Uh, you're on rugby duty. I'm in studio duty this weekend. Uh, it is the FA Cup fourth round. It is a pretty poor FA Cup fourth round. All the big teams have been kept apart, so it's all about the giant killings, which rarely, if ever, happen these days. It is Nathan and Dave with you this week. No Adrian Barry. He's off getting married. It's been a big week for that man. It has been a very big week. He's now our boss as well. So yeah. we He's now we, Sir Adrian Barry. Sir Adrian Barry. So we can't actually destroy him the way we usually would when he's not here. Because oh, I think it's to. worth pushing those boundaries. But we, we, we did receive an email saying we now have to show him some respect. Um, yeah. That was his introduction email. I, a lot of the listeners will have had this experience. You work with somebody for a number of years. You know, you're on a similar level. And next thing, one of you's made the boss. Suddenly the relationship changes. Yes, yes indeed. It'll be um it'll be a new experience for us all. Yeah. I think we should push him as far as we can because the only way he's going to know and learn how tough this job is going to be is if we just push him to the very limits of his early. Yeah, from the from the very start. From the very start yeah, because it's, on, it's it's for his own good. Well exactly. In 6 months time he'll be like, <laughs> "Oh, this is getting easier." Rather than thinking <laughs> this is actually getting harder. The guys are getting out of control. He'd be thinking, "Well, they couldn't have got any worse." Yeah, so Adrian, if he was here, he was very keen for us to mention the fact that on last week's we, we podcast... We haven't mentioned the fact it was a huge week because he's also getting married tomorrow. He's also getting married yes. tomorrow, yes. Uh, so, so the best, best of luck to Adrian and Wing. Hope it goes well. Yeah, um, yeah, it should be a great day. You're going. Yeah, yeah teacher's pet. Yeah. Teacher's pet right Unfortunately, here. somebody has to work tomorrow afternoon and be in studio with Mr. Gilroy. And so I sacrificed my trip to the wedding. And said we'll keep things on the road. Yeah, I, you basically figured out that I wouldn't be really be missed. <laughs> the, the general tone of that conversation. But uh, he did want mentioned. He did want mentioned that on last week's podcast, uh, he, he got something right. Not his treble, of course. He's still without a win with his trebles. And we're more than halfway through the season. But we had a conversation about Liverpool and Fabio Barini. And Adrian said, maybe Fabio Barini will start tomorrow. And we said, no chance. And it turned out Fabio Barini did start. That is the manner of his victory for the entire Friday Football Podcast for the season so far. That he predicted Fabio Barini would start. It's embarrassing. We'll give him that. Yeah. Now, we, our opinion of Fabio Barini was based on his performance against Sunderland, which was woeful. So, I think we are well within our rights to predict that he wouldn't be given a second consecutive start. We are going to talk about some of the FA Cup games taking place over the weekend but by and large we focus on the Premier League 
on this Friday Football podcast and we are more than halfway through the season and we're kind of getting into the run-in now for the title and we just thought we'd have a chat about season so far and how we think it's going to pan out over the coming weeks. So I guess we should probably start at the very top. Who's going to win the title? It's pretty simple. Will it be Chelsea or will it be Manchester City? <clears throat> the easy answer is Chelsea because they're five points clear and there are 16 games remaining. But they were... Right, well, that's the end of that. They were more than five points clear uh, six weeks ago and they were a hole back and Manchester City then just stumbled a couple of times. I think that there are, there are going to be a lot of twists in this title race. And we maybe should have the title destination conversation in a fortnight after City have gone to Stamford Bridge. Yeah, well, because that, is that game has game. such a massive bearing on it. If City win the, that game, it won't have a massive uh, bearing on the title race. It'll just still be a title race. If Chelsea win, it's over. That would be how I would see it. Does that not play into Mourinho's hands for that game? Obviously, we're going to look ahead to it a lot more next week, but that's just perfect for Mourinho. Chelsea, a draw will do them. They will happily take a draw at Stamford Bridge so they can sit back suck Manchester City onto them and then get them on the break as they did to Liverpool at the end of last season as they did to Manchester City earlier this season well that depends if City go after them or attempt to go after them and I don't think that would be in City's interest either a draw wouldn't be a bad result for City either it just takes one slip up from Chelsea and they're back to within three points of Manchester City so losing the game will end City's title hopes in my opinion drawing it won't in any way end their title hopes and I think both managers would actually settle for a point. Yeah, and the other thing when we're predicting what happens over the next few months is we don't know what's going to happen in the Champions League or the mm. FA Cup. How many matches Chelsea and Manchester City are actually going to have to play? And you look at this week alone, Chelsea are playing Bradford. They're at home tomorrow. You'd expect them to win that quite comfortably. And Jose Mourinho said today he's going to rotate. He's going to give the likes of Salah and Shirley a game before they possibly depart. But they got Liverpool on Tuesday night in a huge game in the Capital One Cup. It's just a League Cup. It doesn't matter when it gets to the semi-final stage. We saw what the atmosphere was like at Anfield last Tuesday night. Then they've got Chelsea next Saturday evening. Trips to Aston Villa, Everton, Paris Saint-Germain, Burnley, Leicester all coming up in February. Throw in another FA Cup game there as well. And this squad that has been overused. Mm, or uh, underused, if you want to under, look, look at it from that point of view. Yeah, <laughs> the actual amount of minutes. 22 league games, seven of their players have started 20 of those games which is quite incredible. And we've spoken about this before. It would be great if Chelsea do go on to win the league and say the majority of their players play 32, 33 games, if seven or eight of them go on and play that amount of games. Because really, and if they continue challenging in the Champions League, it just completely dispels this myth. This burnout, players need or, rest, or does it? mid-season or break. Is it, or is it that Chelsea are so good, they're not actually working as hard within games? Well, th- It's a bit easier. You know, they, they can drop the intensity because they've won games earlier. The 5-0 victory at Swansea would in some ways show us that Chelsea are now looking to destroy teams and going for the 90 minutes, but they were 4-0 up at half-time, so they Mm. actually didn't continue in the way that they were for the second half of that game. And look, only getting into a long conversation with someone like Cesc Fabregas, would you be able to get an idea as to whether or not Chelsea do whether subconsciously or otherwise, take the foot off the pedal for the last half an hour of games that they're clearly going to win. And in doing that, do you actually save some gas or the fact that you're on the pitch anyway? You still have to track, you still have to make a couple of tackles, you still have to run. Surely that doesn't save you any more energy than if you'd gone full pelt for the 90 minutes. I think that's kind of a bit, bit of bull as well. But they are playing the same players week in, week out. 
and it it probably is going to cost you if you're playing 60 games. Yeah. Definitely the burnout situation has to become an issue at some stage. I don't know what the threshold is. Maybe it's different for different players. But if you're looking for a 19-year-old, for example, to play 60 games between all four competitions, that has to hurt. Yeah, and, and it's important players who are playing all of these matches. It is the spine of the team. It is Terry, Fabregas, Matic, Azard, Costa, who are playing every single week. And Jose Mourinho doesn't seem to trust, or certainly not overly trust, the players who are in behind. because It's not a very deep Chelsea squad anymore. No. Now, part of that's down to financial fair play as well, which is a good sign that they don't have so much strength and depth and they obviously have a lot of players out on loan. But it just seems to come easier to Chelsea that they lose a game, they bounce back, they win. And they can put together these runs of four or five victories in a row over the course of a month. And it doesn't seem to take a huge amount out of them. They win games 2-0. They win it comfortably. Whereas Manchester City, every time Manchester City play, you kind of think City could drop points in this if they're not 100% at it. They need to be at a far higher level to win games than Chelsea do. Yet they did go on that incredible run mm. of 11 wins in 12 games. And now they're just in a little bit of a rut now, having been beaten by Arsenal, having drawn at Everton. But City have shown more for me this season than they did any other season, particularly in Europe. The way they've dug themselves out of it was just a, a catastrophic hole in that Champions League group. They turned it around against Bayern Munich, obviously with the aid of some pretty bad defending from Bayern Munich. But it's way too early to, to say that Chelsea are going to win this title and that City won't be able to reel them back I'm going to say Chelsea are going to win the title. I'm going to say that as well. But I could well be saying different in two weeks' time. I was at the Etihad last weekend and City were completely outthought by Arsenal. And I don't know when the last time Arsenal outthought anybody, but it definitely happened and City looked blunt. I think they'll look less blunt when they have William Wilfried Boney up front and Sergio Aguero fully mm. sharp, fully fit and a fit Dzeko as an option off the bench. So that'll improve from a City point of view. They'll get Yaya Toure back. He'll improve them as well. And Yeah, yeah, Torre was the huge loss last Sunday. The yeah. type of game it was where City needed somebody to take control. Back for Chelsea? He won't be back for Chelsea, I don't think. He's going to be a massive absence. Uh, unless they're knocked out before then. But that's that's next Saturday. So, yeah, I would imagine mm. it's it's very doubtful. Um, Frank Lampard, though, might pop up and score against his former club yeah. again, as he did at the uh, Etihad Stadium earlier so in the season. So we're both going for Chelsea, anyway. We're both going for Chelsea and City to finish second. Right, so then the... The this big is race. where it gets interesting. And as the season goes on, if Chelsea do start to pull away, there's going. You can't not see this battle for the top four not going to the final day of the season because there's just so many teams in there, and all of them now finally starting to find a bit of form. Mm. I think a month ago we we're saying they all had big, big areas of weakness, but they're sort of cancelling that out. And Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal, Southampton are back again. United, to a certain extent, are still within the top four. How do you see this one playing out? Well, I, I, the fascinating part of this for me is that I think Manchester City are involved in this. And if they lose at Stamford Bridge tomorrow week, I think they're definitely involved in this. Really? They're only five points above Southampton. Now, if Southampton need to look over their shoulder at United, Arsenal and Tottenham, well, why don't... And Liverpool in there as well, of course. Well, why don't... Manchester City need to be looking over their shoulder. Because they Manchester were beaten last weekend at home for the second time this season. If they were to lose next weekend against Chelsea, the likes, if the teams behind them were all to win, you could easily have 
nine points separating City in second and Liverpool in eighth. Yeah, but City are the champions and they're going to win the vast majority of their games. I'm not saying they're going to finish fifth, Nathan, and out of the Champions League places. What I am saying is that they may not finish second. Right, so who you, you think... Manchester they may United not could challenge them for second. I, well, I'm looking at my four here. I'll give you my four because United aren't in it. I think Arsenal will be third, Tottenham fourth, United fifth, and Southampton sixth. Oh, I'd have to disagree <laughs> strongly. But let me give my reasons first, All right. and then so you go come with back that in. again. So Chelsea champions, City yeah. second, yeah, Arsenal third, okay, Tottenham fourth, United fifth. Yeah. And Southampton 6th. And where Liverpool? 7th. Well, once we get past the top four, does it really matter? <laughs> I think United, Southampton and Liverpool. Don't worry about what order I put them in. Okay. At right now, yeah. and this is all what have you done for lately type, for me lately type conversation. And it's a, a guy who watched and commentated on Arsenal beating City. So I'm being heavily influenced by both that fixture and the City-Chelsea game tomorrow week. But So whether United are in fifth and, are, and Liverpool seventh and Southampton sixth, whatever, who, no, don't worry about that. Arsenal showed me last weekend that they're the third best team in the Premier League. Now, this was your first time this season covering Arsenal. Yes. I've covered Arsenal six times this season, Five of them away from home, once at the Emirates, which was the week before the win against Stoke, where they were very impressive as well. What surprised me with some of the analysis of the Manchester City game was the surprise at Arsenal's tactics. They had played with very similar tactics in all their away games. We'd spoken about it with Kenny Cunningham the week before. Away from home, they're playing a lot deeper. They're just trying to get more men behind the ball. They're trying to make sure that they're not losing 6-3 or 5-1 that they have men behind the ball. Whether there's a better defensive system, I'm not quite sure. Against Manchester City, they executed it perfectly. They were really disciplined. Ramsey and Coquelin shored up the defence, protected the defence, and they got a great win. But in a lot of the games, I think back to the Swansea match, where they were destroyed down the wings and they made some silly mistakes. The Southampton game, where they were beaten 2-0 and individual errors cost them. That if they make mistakes, because they're playing so deep they're not scoring a huge amount of goals away from home. Now, I did cover the game against West Ham where, likewise, they defended pretty well. West going up to Park this season is not easy. I, I think Arsenal will finish in the top four. I just think so people who, are getting carried who are the away. Third, who are the team that would finish above them? Given that they are in fifth place at the moment, only three points behind third place Southampton. Manchester United will finish third. Arsenal will finish fourth. Okay. Chelsea what City. have you, what have you seen from Manchester United this season that tells you that they're the third best team in the league? I've seen the guy sitting in the dugout. That gives me the confidence that United will finish. And does their form on the pitch not have more to do well, with their it? Their form on the pitch is that they're still in the top four, despite not clicking yet. Despite there being a lot of changes and injuries, if Dimery can stay fit between now and the end of the season, and we're doing all this on the presumption that players are fit. Yeah. Um. You know, the title race changed completely if Sergio Aguero gets injured for three months again or Cesc Fabregas gets injured but I just think Demaria Van Persie back fit Rooney they're going to score enough goals to beat the vast majority of teams and I don't think there's enough quality it's not a particularly great Manchester United side certainly not defensively 
but Arsenal aren't the finished article. Spurs, I don't know how you're coming up with Spurs to finish in the top four. <laughs> I've, I been, thought I've think, been in way too many Spurs matches. I thought you would think that was the most controversial oh. aspect of my top four. Have you, have you commentated on a Spurs game this season? Yes, I have. I commentated on their nil-nil draw at White Hart Lane with Manchester United. Oh my God, there's... I'm seeing Tottenham win a huge amount of games that a season ago and two seasons ago they simply weren't winning. I'm seeing players that under Andre Villas-Boas and Tim Sherwood and were signed by Villas-Boas, well not by him, by the director of football, that looked flops but are now actually very good players. Guys like Nasser Chadley, Christian Eriksen and... The chance that has been given to guys like Bentaleb and Ryan Mason in particular has really impressed me this season. And Harry Kane. He is the X factor that they haven't had. Their win over Chelsea at White Hart Lane was so impressive. The amount of games they've won 2-1 this season, so mm. impressive. The amount of games in which they've come from behind to win was is very impressive. And I think that Pochettino was now settled in. And he looks like a guy who is at ease with himself where he looked a little out of sorts for the first six weeks or so as he was forced to speak English as a couple of the guys he wanted to bring in in the in the summer transfer window never made it to White Hart Lane guys like Morgan Schneiderlin for example and the game at Old Trafford in three weeks time is it or about a month's time that's going to be live and off the ball that's going to be absolutely huge because if they beat Manchester United that day I think we I would be able to say then they'll finish in the top four oh, this, is all, this is all these are margins Nathan, they're really, it not is very it, marginal. Not having it. You're looking at Southampton on 42 points in third. Today, as we have this discussion, five points clear of Tottenham in sixth place. So me is suggesting that Tottenham could finish in the top four. You make it sound like it's some sort of a crazy stretch. It is, because... They're is, currently... They're going on a decent Three points run. off the top four with 16 games remaining. Because there's so many average teams in the league when you take Chelsea and Manchester City out of it. Yes, and Tottenham this, being one of those... Yeah. But I, Why not them in the top four? Because they don't have the quality that United or Arsenal have. They don't have a Di Maria, a Rooney, a Sanchez. They've nobody like that. This Di Maria fella you keep banging I, I know, on about. I was criticising him last week. That What have you seen from him in the last eight weeks that makes you think he is going to be a major player between now and May? Well, if, he's to, if they're to finish in the top four, as I expect them to do, he'll have to become a more of an influence okay, so this is on the, insu- the assumption that Di Maria yeah I think Di Maria shows us what he's genuinely capable of yes well but, so you're, you're actually basing we're both looking at Manchester United from the exact same point of view Di Maria is so important to me all 60 million quid of him if he continues to play as he has done and I don't know if it's all his fault he hasn't maybe been given the position where, from which he can best exploit his talents last 20 minutes against QPR he was in that position and he was very good I think United will finish in the top four if Di Maria produces. I don't expect him to produce. That's right. why I have them outside the top four. Yeah, I've been impressed with how Pochettino's turned things around at, at Spurs over the last couple of months, and particularly in the middle of midfield. It took him a long time to figure out what system he wanted to play. He was going at, with Dembele and Kapu at the start of the season, and then, much like Brendan Rodgers, I think to a certain extent, almost stumbled upon Mason. Mm. And Bentaleb came back from injury. Now, Mason's only 23. Bentaleb, I think, is still only a teenager. Yeah. And they're just full of energy. They provide the running. They provide the protection for the front four. As you say, Chadley stepped up this season. Christian Eriksen's having a brilliant season. And Harry Kane as well. But I just still don't see any of those guys being of a high enough quality for them to go. I just don't trust Spurs. Well, I don't no, trust them to go and win I can't blame you for not trusting games. them. Because they and, have and been at the back, I'm still not very sure about Spurs-like. This. 
forever. But who, who is your top? Who sure. is your four four Champions League qualifiers? Chelsea, City, and United and Arsenal. I think Alexis Sanchez is good enough so, on his own. With United finishing above Arsenal. Yes. Um, I think Liverpool will finish above Spurs as well. So you would have Liverpool fifth. Fifth, Spurs seventh, Southampton sixth. Maybe again, maybe we're so. There's only one team. We're only we're, we are only debating one team. Manchester United and Tottenham and Tottenham. So that's the only difference that we have in there, and a lot of it is based on Angel Di Maria. And of course, this could change if United pull a big signing out of the hat in the next week. Yeah, it's not looking particularly likely at the moment. Why are we writing off Southampton though? It just because, because it's just so easy to do. Yeah, because <laughs> Southampton have decent strength in depth though. They don't have a huge squad, but when they were missing Wanyama and Schneidlin last week, and they bring in Haskett, who's a young guy who's pretty solid in the middle midfield. They've got the likes of Stephen Davis, Jack Cork, who are sort of James journeymen. Ward Prowse is young, but I guess Davis and Cork are journeymen yeah. at this stage. But they're going to do a solid job for one or two matches. And they all know exactly what their job is. Yeah. Look, a lot of the Southampton discussion is based on their win at Old Trafford. I did the commentary in that game. There was nothing between the two teams. Southampton took their only chance. Mm. Juan Mata missed both of United's chances. And there would have been a huge amount of praise heaped on the shoulders of Louis van Gaal had they won that game 2-1. And one of the goal, one of the opportunities simply just should have been taken. It was a guilt chance. Mata would score that eight times out of ten, perhaps. But Something that's been great for Southampton is how different players have come to the fore at different times of the season. So they're very much not a one-man team. Mm. Graziano Pellas had brilliant runs of form where he scored six or seven goals in six or seven matches. Then he's gone out of form, but Tadic will score a few goals. Pellas got one in his last eight, and yet they are in their second-best run of the season. Mm. Now, I'd agree. Look, there's... There's nothing you could say about Southampton that I would disagree with apart from somebody suggesting that they'll be in the top four. But you're right, the question is so easy to ask. Why are you dropping Southampton? And unfortunately, it's because it's easy to do. It's difficult to put your faith in a team that have never been in this position before. But I think Koeman showing, like Elia, that scored the two goals at St. James's Park. Mm. He's a player who's meandered through his career since playing the World Cup final for the Dutch in 2010 in South Africa and yet Koeman genuinely sees something in him and he gets those goals at the weekend and he rushes to the dugout and he jumps into the arms of Koeman and there's something very much that looks like a bond there between his players and the management. He seems to have an awful lot of faith in them. They go I just to... don't know if they're going to win enough games to finish in the top four. They go to Chelsea in the middle of March. Uh, game we'll have on off the ball a long way away. But between now and then, six league matches. They're at home to Swansea, away to Queen's Park Rangers, at home to West Ham, at home to Liverpool and away to West Brom. They could win all six of those. Or... <laughs> but you can say, that, but you, you can say that about United as well. Like the run they went on of their seven consecutive wins, they could easily have drawn six of those or lost maybe four or five of them. They only beat Hull in a convincing fashion. That's why when I look at United, I think any given week they could drop points. I don't wouldn't look at Arsenal, for example, and say that now. But it looks like we are almost in agreement outside of the Tottenham-Manchester United discussion. Yeah. Last day of the season, Manchester City against Southampton could be quite a game. Everything on the line. Arsenal, in, in a strange way, all these guys who are returning from injury it will be a headache to Arsene Wenger as to what side he selects but also he found a great formula over the last few weeks like Coquelin is on loan at, at Charlton, Charlton in League yeah. 1 
this time last month. He's brought back, again, he's similar to Flamini, but has a little bit more about him. He's obviously got far more pace and he can get around a lot more than Flamini. But you just think, well, where are you going to bring Ozil into this side? I'd be very surprised if Ozil starts a big game between now and the rest of the season. I'd be surprised if Wiltshire starts a big game between now and the rest of the season. I don't see anybody other than Santi Cazorla, Francis Coquilla and Aaron Ramsey starting in their midfield three. I don't think Arteta's going to come back in the team. Flamney won't get back into the team. He's got an awful lot of options, but they're all on the same part of the mm. field. He needs Danny Welbeck returning to full fitness because Welbeck. he gives him something something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but Giroud was fit. He looked so lean and so hungry last weekend. Alexis Sanchez is fantastic. But again... He didn't have a huge effect on the game last mm. weekend and he, his record away from home is actually awful. Four of his 18 goals a season have been away from home and unless he really starts to produce on the road, particularly in the Champions League, I can't see them getting past the second round. I, I do just wonder on on Alexis Sanchez, teams obviously are keeping such a close eye on him, particularly when they're at home. Have The Arsenal away games that have been to Santi Gazzorla has been their best player away from home. So the space and the players that Alexis Sanchez is taking away from the middle and dragging out of the left is giving Cazorla this space in the middle that he's fully exploiting because he's, he's in brilliant form at the moment. Only his performance last weekend wasn't based on typically what you would expect Sanchez Cazorla to produce when he's excelling. Mm. He was a grafter last weekend. He held the ball in positions I just couldn't understand where he rolled two or three challenges from guys who are times like 50% bigger than him. Yeah. As well as the assist for the free kick at the header from Giroud, as well as scoring the penalty, it was an all-round midfield performance. Can he do that next week? Can he do that the week I after? He, I think he is. Think back to the match at Upton Park on uh, just after Christmas, and he had a very similar performance that day. And I think a lot of that has maybe been inspired by Alexis Sanchez, that you see the effort that mm. Alexis Sanchez puts in. Because despite maybe not contributing goals or assists or in the final third away from home, He's still there getting stuck in and working, working, working. And sometimes players like that, when, when they are being asked to play a little bit deeper, they get frustrated. They just don't bother. Whereas now Sandy Gazzorla, perhaps watching Alexis Sanchez, thinking, well, if I match that, and also just, as you say, there's so much competition yeah. that you have to be at that level. Which right. is why I think they're going to finish third. Well, I think they're going to finish fourth. So good news, one, Arsenal One fans. added final item on the top four. If Liverpool or Everton win the Europa League, that's, but that's what's going to happen. <laughs> We've got a serious discussion on our hands then. Liverpool will win the Europa League and Southampton will come fourth. Or United. Could you imagine that Liverpool won the Europa League and knocked United out of the Champions League? How much the Liverpool fans would enjoy that? Uh, so that is the top four. The bottom three relegation. I've got Villa in 18th, Hull in 19th and Leicester bottom of the table. I think Queen's Park Rangers and... F- Burnley and Sunderland and West Brom and Palace will all stay up. I have Leicester in 20th, Hull in 19th and Burnley in 18th. Okay, so again, we're very similar. You're swapping Villa for Burnley. This is the most difficult one to actually predict because there is a strong likelihood a couple of these teams will change manager between now and the end of the season. And if you get the right man in, you suddenly kick on. Uh, Who's most likely to change manager? Well, Queen's West Park Brom Rangers. and Crystal Palace have both done so Hull could change manager over the next few weeks uh, Queen's Park Rangers could change manager Sunderland, I would be more Leicester. focusing on personnel rather than who's standing in the dugout I've got Burnley finishing above Villa if they lose Danny Ings over the next week they're, they're gone but that is not going to happen 
I you hope get 60 it w- million for staying I hope in the it Premier doesn't. League. I really hope it doesn't. But they're the sort of imponderables that we can't quite grasp at the moment. They could change. They would definitely change my thinking. I can't see a team like Aston Villa scoring enough goals to keep them up because Burnley have Danny Ings. They've got a Sam Vokes who's going to be coming back to fitness and they've got Ashley Barnes. Queen's Park Rangers have Charlie Austin who's probably in the top two or three English strikers in the Premier League this season. Villa have nobody. Don't give me Christian Benteke. I'm he hasn't give tried you a Benteke. leg. He hasn't tried a leg since coming back from injury. And if he doesn't start scoring goals, they are going to pick up the majority of their points in nil-nil draws. And that is not going to keep them in the Premier League. I still think they have, probably with, I know Blair is out at the moment, but with Delph and Ipan Hora always goes on a little bit of a run. And a little Benteke. bit of a run. He might score twice in 10 games, maybe. Still, there might be two games that they win that keep them up. Leicester have signed Andre Kramerich, uh, club record fee. They're basically throwing everything in on him now to score the goals, to keep them in the league. I, I can't see it happening. I could just see Burnley losing a lot of games. They've played a lot of matches. They've stuck with the same team for is it the last nine Premier League games in a row. St- same starting 11. If Danny Ings, if the goals start to dry up, they're in big trouble. Hull just seem to be in a pretty rapid descent. And Steve Bruce looks completely lost. Just talked this afternoon. They might try and sign Daryl Murphy, who, for the great form he's been in this season, has always come across as a championship striker. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a punt. It's what you probably get him on the cheap for a couple of million. It'd be crazy for Ipswich to let him go anyway, no matter what the money was. Well, again, because you're looking and thinking if we get promoted yeah. to the Premier League, it's they're in the same boat quiz. as Burnley. Yeah, trying to get up. You don't sell these guys. Uh, Queens Park Rangers. You would presume their home form. Will will be see enough. them do just about enough. Like you can putting together an argument for Aston Villa staying up. Is what? it based on anything other than the fact that you believe there are three worse teams than them in the Premier League? Yeah, I look back to the start of the season and the three games in a row, Aston Villa won, and I was at Villa Park for the match against Spurs, where Spurs came from behind and the match Benteke was sent off in. That they played really good football that day. If they do go down, I think that will definitely be a point they will look mm. back and I think that's where it all... Benteke just back from injury, having a great game, gets sent off, misses the next three matches, doesn't play for a month, sets them back massively. Paul Lambert, if he's still there at the end of the season, it'll, it'll be touch... I think it will be touch and go for Aston Villa. It will go to the last. I still think they've enough about them. As a club, even the, the expectation at the club, they see themselves as a Premier League club that they will be able to fight it out. That they Do have you think there's any chance he'll be the manager pers- next season? I would hope not, for everybody concerned. Because he's, he's the bringing most, them nowhere. He's the least inspiring individual in the Premier League. I don't know how Villa fans haven't turned on him yet. They've been fighting the same battle for three years now, and they are not improving in any way. And their best player is Christian Mateke, and he will not be there next season. Villa fans, they must be in a bleak place. At least if they got relegated, they'd have a chance of having a good season next season. So that's the Premier League. Who's going to win the League Cup? Who's going to w- oh, who's going to win the League Cup? Chelsea is the obvious answer. I'm going for Tottenham. What is with the Tottenham? It's going to be a great season for Tottenham. I'm They're going to finish in the Champions I, League places I'm and win a cup. You, start sending you to White Hart Lane every second <laughs> weekend, as I have done for the first four months of the I've season. I've been there twice this season, and who'll win the FA Cup? Uh, well, the FA Cup will be won by. <sighs> Liverpool interesting I'm going for Arsenal I was tempted by Arsenal I literally just thought of that there in the last 10 seconds uh, the FA Cup this weekend who's going to win the Champions League Dave uh, I don't know Yeah, 
I think City will reach the semi-finals. I find it very hard to pick a winner between Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. I don't see Barcelona being a major no. player. So it's probably those two. Yeah, if I'm Madrid. pushed, I might say Bayern. But I don't know who will win the Champions League. If I'm pushed, I would say Real Madrid. Uh, this weekend in the FA Cup, it is one of those draws you look at and go, oh my God, really? Not even one decent all-Premier League game. Spurs against Leicester. I'm struggling to get excited about Spurs against Leicester. Yeah, you can't, don't really care about that one. Birmingham West Brom is at least a derby game. Yeah, and you're looking at these as well, I guess, and thinking, if Sunderland lose at home to Fulham, Gus Poye is in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southampton Crystal Palace could be an interesting that game that could be a good Southam- game yeah Pardew going back to another one of his former clubs yeah and he's putting out a strong team Southampton in the cup Liverpool Bolton evokes some very special memories of the John McGinley Jason McAteer Owen Coyle days at the old Burnden Park some fantastic League Cup and FA Cup ties in what? Bolton's recent history what's Bolton's current stadium the Reebok no, no longer called that no, what's it called no. now it's called the iPower Stadium <laughs> The worst name. She in shows English they football. drop out of the Premier League. You lose all faith and all touch with them. But that that brings back some pretty good memories. I remember some amazing games involving Liverpool and Bolton back then. I spoke to a Liverpool legend yesterday. <coughs> Liverpool legend. You spoke yesterday. to a player who played for Liverpool. Yes, played for Liverpool. Scored one of their most famous goals, I guess. Three all Manchester United. Head Tell us who he end. is. Neil Ruddock. He's on the show. He is on the show on Sunday. He is a big guy. Yeah, he's a big unit. Holy, holy shit. He eats well. He, he ate well and drank well in the hour I was in his company. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's an interesting enough character. He, he says he would definitely have made it in the modern game because I guess he would have had, you know, he had the talent that maybe if he realised a little bit earlier and he would have had no, he wouldn't have been able to go on the beer all the time yeah. and eat whatever he wanted. But uh, yeah, that'll be coming up tomorrow. He was left out of the FA Cup final in 1996. Maybe they should have. He might have cleared that ball that ultimately led well, to Cantona's volley. Well, this is Cantona had a bit of an on-running battle because, remember, Cantona's... 20, 20 years ago this weekend, or 20 years ago this week, Cantona jumped into the crowd. His first match back was against Liverpool. And uh, Neil Ruddock and himself had a little ongoing battle. Neil Ruddock, though, actually ended up with Eric Cantona's jersey after the cup final. John Barnes swapped jerseys with Eric Cantona, walks back into the dressing room. John Barnes is so annoyed that they've lost. Throws it on the ground... Ruddock picks it up. Ruddock goes, uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. Goes on to sell it at auction for a lot of money, about 20 grand. I'm looking forward to this piece, though. So. We have an interesting weekend in the show. We've got Brian Cullen tomorrow, an exclusive interview. The first time we'll hear from Brian since he retired from a 13-year inter-county championship career with the Dubs. And we've got an awful lot of FA Cup, of course. We've got Leinster. We've got Munster. We've got the final round of the Champions Cup. And we'll have a little look at the Australian Open as well. So, yeah, it should be an interesting two days. Yeah, uh, that is all coming up, as Dave said himself and Jair. And Emmett Malone of the Irish Times will be in studio tomorrow. We'll have reporters that have loaded these FA Cup games as well. See if there are any shocks, uh, perhaps starting tonight with Cambridge against Manchester United. But we'll be back next week uh, in the Premier League. Thankfully, we'll be back once again. We'll talk to you then. Even if we knew which way to head